minds as we look at it, as we work our way through it. I want to remind you, first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs are all a call from a father to his son to get wisdom. It's all about laying hold of wisdom. It's all about making wisdom a part of your life. But remember, in those first nine chapters, there are three times where wisdom is personified, where wisdom is described as a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, the first three verses, it tells us that all the treasures of, of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ Jesus. That he becomes or is that picture of wisdom. So you begin to see the cry of the Father. Get wisdom. And all you're getting, get wisdom. It, I'm not saying it's, it can't be about just understanding the rights and the wrongs of life. But if you don't have God, if you don't have Christ in your life, what's right and wrong? Remember I said, the, the Bible told us when we began in the book of Proverbs, a fool has said in his heart, what? There is no God. And if I take God out of my life, I have zero justification for any morality. None. So it's impossible to have wisdom unless you have God. The scripture declares to us that God possessed wisdom before creation. And then goes on to describe wisdom as the co-creator. The one that was alongside of God as a part of creation. Well, the Bible tells us who that was, doesn't it? The Bible tells us. Hebrews tells us that that co-creator, the person who created all the heavens and the earth, that was God. It was uh, Jesus Christ working out, bringing that creation. So we want to see that call from a father. Get wisdom in all you're getting. In chapter 4, you have three discourses. Three separate discourses that are going to point to a particular issue in wisdom. Let's take a look at it. It says, Hear, O son, to start at verse 1, A father's instruction, be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, for she will keep you, she'll love you, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. That's the first discourse. Second one, hear my son and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. For I have taught you the way of wisdom. I will lead you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the fullness of day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. That's the second discourse. Third discourse. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and healing 
for all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left, or turn your foot away from evil. So when we looked at that first discourse, that first discourse was a call. And it, it specified a couple of things. One, that we want to listen to those are, who have gone before us, whose, whose job it is, is to instruct us in wisdom. And we talked about who that is. You remember Deuteronomy? The Shema. The Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. He is one God. And you shall teach these things to your children. The idea that fathers and grandfathers and, and grandparents and mothers were supposed to teach wisdom or the concept of the following the Lord God Almighty to their kids. And they were to hold fast to the tradition that was passed down. That's that first discourse that we looked at. And if you remember, when we looked at it, one of the things that I described was the concept that the Bible teaches us that there are two paths. Remember? There are two mountains in the book of Numbers, one upon which was the blessing, the other upon which was the cursing. In the middle was a valley. The Lord called that valley the valley of decision. He said to the people, See, I have placed you in the valley of decision. I have set you in blessing and cursing, in life and death. Only choose life. We talk about the idea that God's transcendent and He knows the path that we ought to take. And the path that God calls us is the path of life. It's a path of blessing. Doesn't mean that that path's not hard. I never said there's not rocks on it. There's not opportunity to trip or stumble. But the idea is, is that path is a good path. And that's the choice God's asking us to make. And He says the way we make that choice is by getting wisdom. Wisdom, the, the, the Jews were told that wisdom, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the concepts go across the board that He was to be frontlets between their eyes. Frontlets. He was to be the headlights so they knew where to go. What is it that this father is trying to tell his son? In all you're getting, get wisdom. Understand the direction that you need to take. Proverbs lays out for us... Uh, Chapter 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge who? Him. And He'll make your paths what? Straight. So I have to have Him. I have to have wisdom. I have to have God. I have to have Jesus Christ in my life in order to make the kind of choices that God wants me to make. And He says, don't forsake her. Don't guard her. Keep her. She's your treasure. All of that is just grammatical language for the concept of wisdom. It's saying that Jesus ought to be our treasure. I love that John Piper constantly says that. That we should have our treasure, our goal, our, our, our finish line in life is Christ. Nothing else. Christ. There can be other good things along the way, but the ultimate goal has to be Jesus Christ as our ultimate treasure. And that's the call there in the end of that discourse. So the first discourse, hold faster to the traditions you've been taught by your father and mother, your grandparents, the things that they taught you. The second discourse, he says he wants us to stay off the wrong path. So stay off the wrong path. That's the father's second discourse in his lecture to his son. 
He said in verse 10, Hear my son, accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. Remember, I told you God has two paths. The path of blessing, the path of life. That sounds like you're going to have many days, right? The other one is the path of cursing and the path of death. That doesn't sound like many days, right? You guys tracking? So he says, look, I want you to understand, accept my words, that your, the days of your life will be many. For I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you to the paths of righteousness, uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. God said he'll make that path straight. You'll know where to walk and what to do. So we want to get on that path. We want to walk the straight path. We want to see practical lifestyle. Remember, totally in, that, that this is a change. Last time we discussed a little bit the idea that if I want to get skinny, i got to change my lifestyle, right? I gotta give up Rocky Road. Unwilling to give up Rocky Road, I'm gonna be fat. If that's a problem for you guys, I'm sorry. But last I checked, I get to make that choice. Right? I get to make that choice. I, that's my, so same thing with my walk with Christ though, isn't it? Don't I get to make the choice that says, no what, I'm all in for Christ. I'm gonna follow Him. I'm just in. I'm complete. I want it all. And that's what God is calling us to. Hey, get on the path. Get all the way in, completely a part of what you're doing. In verse 12, he says, When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. We'll know the way to go. So then he says, verse 13, Keep hold of instruction. Keep hold. Treasure the idea. Hold fast instruction. Hold fast to the traditions that you've been taught. This is the positive way that we can stay off of the wrong path. Negatively, he's going to tell us in a moment, but positively, what do we want to do? We want to hold on to instruction. We want to guard her, for she is what? Your life, right? What I tell you, God says there's two paths. One is the path of death, the other is the path of life. So he says, guard the path of life. Guard, treasure, treasure that relationship. Look, for any of us to have wisdom in our life, what did James say? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him... Ask, right? And our Father in Heaven who gives liberally will give. He's going to give that wisdom. That wisdom is found in His Son, Jesus Christ. For in Him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I need to hold fast, treasure Christ, guard that relationship. And if I do that, that relationship is going to take care of me. And I'll find myself on the path of life. If I neglect that relationship... If I ignore that relationship, if I don't guard that relationship, then it's not going to keep me. So the second discourse, the discourse to stay off of the wrong path. So then we come to where we should be tonight. Verse 14. So do not enter the path of the wicked. Now this is in the negative sense. He told us what to do positively, right? Now he's telling us negatively. Don't get on the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Saying in, in a negative sense, what do I not want to do? When I positively I want to hold on to Christ, follow him. Negatively, I gotta turn from evil. You know, there's a story of Joseph in the Bible, right? We're all familiar with the story of Joseph. And Joseph's probably 17 years old. He's rising in power in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife wants him. 
There's a lot of opportunities for a slave boy in that concept to say, you know what, I'm going to run away with Potiphar's wife, or I'm going, to, I'm going to enter into a relationship with Potiphar's wife. Maybe we can get rid of Potiphar, and this can all be mine. But you see, the Word of God says, flee from evil. So what did Potiphar do? Or, or what did Joseph do? When Potiphar's wife came to him and presented herself to him, said, look, I'm all yours. The Bible says he ran. He ran. That's what Proverbs is talking about. Get away from evil. Don't sit there and pet it like it's a cute little puppy. Don't, don't keep it in a little glass jar so every once in a while you can take it out and stare at it. I seen a picture in the paper when I was in Yucca Valley of a dude whose face looked like he'd been beat with a pipe. But he hadn't been. He just had a pet scorpion. And he played with this scorpion and played with the scorpion. And one day he got this brilliant idea that he's going to kiss it. Now, just so you know, to the scorpion, that looks like a bad deal. Right? And you look at the scorpion and bring your big old lips to him. Yeah, he stuck that stinger right deep in that guy's lips. And they were like enormous. And I, and I thought as I thought of that story, that's how some people treat evil. They play with it, they tickle it, they keep it in a jar, they pull it out when they want to pull it out. They don't do away with it. And what's he saying? Get away from it. Get away from wicked. Don't get on the path. Don't play with it, don't consider it, don't keep it up on a shelf somewhere, hidden away so nobody knows it's there. Just get rid of it. Keep it out of your life. Why? Because here's what he has to say about the wicked. Look at verse 16. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. He's saying the people on the wicked path, their desire is just to do something wrong. In fact, it is such a desire, it robs them of sleep. The idea is doing wrong is addictive. Has anybody ever experienced that in their life? I I have never found doing right to be as addictive as doing wrong. I don't know why. But when I do wrong... There's some kind of twisted sense of pleasure that makes you think, man, that was, that was pretty cool. And, and for whatever reason, I'm not saying there's not a, a plus or a benefit to doing right, but that pull, that addiction just seems to be uh, more when we, when we talk about doing evil, doing wicked. So that's what he's saying. They can't sleep until they've done wrong. There's an addiction that takes place. The call is this. Don't take the first step because once you do, it will become the master of you. I'm reminded of Cain and Abel. Remember the story? Cain and Abel both bring an offering before the Lord. Abel's was accepted. Cain's was rejected. The Bible says Cain walked away and he was downcast and disquieted in his soul. And God said to him, Cain, what's wrong? Why so downcast? And the Lord told him, look, Cain, I'm going to tell you something. Sin is at the door of your heart. So what's God saying? I know what you're thinking about doing. And its desire, sin's desire, is to master you. But then the Lord says this, you should master it. Don't let it master you, Cain. Cain goes home that day, goes to sleep, wakes up the next day and kills his brother. Kills his brother, why? Because sin became his master. Because he didn't flee the wicked path, but he jumped on it. 
he justified what he was feeling or the desire for that wickedness, and it brought only more pain into his life. So, it's addictive. We want to stay away from it. It says they are robbed of sleep unless they have a made someone stumble. You know people like that? I know people like that still today. Still looking for some way to bring somebody else down. That just seems to be their goal. Look at verse 17. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. So they want blood during the day. That picture, that picture, they, they drink the wine of violence is the idea of bringing destruction, pain, or hurt to somebody else. So that's what he's saying. Look, this is, this is what they're doing. They want to be on the wicked path. They got to do something bad or they're not happy. There's an addiction taking place and they want to shed innocent blood. So what is it that God says through this father to his son? He says this, stay off the path of the wicked. The wrath of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. Remember we talked on Sunday, we were talking about the book of James, and we said, the opposite of meekness is what? You remember? The opposite of meekness is revenge. So meekness is the willingness to allow God to be the final judge between you and somebody else. Are you okay with that? Because you need to be. Why? Because that's one of the first steps on the path of the wicked. Harboring a grudge. Holding on to that ugliness. And you think, it's just like my, my pastor's wife used to say all the time, it's like drinking poison and waiting for somebody else to die. Does that ever work? You sit back and drink poison, does it affect somebody else? No, it's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. And that wrath that builds up inside of us will never. It doesn't say, well, sometimes it works out. Nope. It'll never accomplish the righteousness of God. So we got to lay that down. Don't get on the path of the wicked. There are two paths you can go by. Remember, I told you about that song. There's still time to change the road you're on both ways. We want to be on the path of life, right? God says, I've set before you two ways. Choose life. Avoid the path of the wicked. So, the second discourse. How do I stay off the wrong path? Number one, I walk the straight path, which is the path of wisdom. Positively, this is what I do. What I don't do, I avoid the path of the wicked. Then we come on to the third discourse. We come on to the third discourse. Begins... Uh, in verse 18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter till full day. The way of the wicked, like deep darkness, they do not know over what they stumble. The path of the righteous, constantly getting uh, lighter, brighter. The path of the wicked, constantly getting darker, and they will stumble. So we want to be in the place of light. He says in verse 20, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. The first thing he tells in in the final discourse, we want to concentrate on life. Concentrate on life. We want to concentrate on 
making the choices of life. Look what it says. There's an exhortation. How does he begin? Be attentive to my words. The next phrase, incline your ear. He's, he's focusing on it. Twice he repeats similar phrases to say, listen to what I'm saying. Listen up. Listen up to what's going on. Don't let this escape. Don't let this fall out of your sight. Twice he says, listen, listen. The third time he says, don't lose sight of this. Don't lose sight of this truth. What's the truth? The truth is that these things of wisdom that he's discussing, they are life. They are life. So follow life. They are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. The way of God is life, brings life, brings order. We want to hear them. We want to see them. We want to believe them. This is where we want to focus our energy. Why? Because it's for all of our body. Wholeness. You and I, when we're born into this world, we're born broken. There's something missing in all of our lives, at least. And then as we go through life, I don't know about you, but certainly I did my own damage to different parts of my body that has created more brokenness in my life. By the choices that I made that weren't for life. So my hope for healing, my hope for wholeness, my hope for completion is following that path of life, which is the path of wisdom, which comes by following Jesus Christ. This was the call that Jesus made to every one of his disciples. This is the call he made to the rich young ruler. Do you remember? Rich young ruler came to him one day and said, what must I do? To inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, you know the law, what the law says, do that. He says, I've done this from my birth. What do I yet lack? He knows something's missing in his life. Right? So Jesus tells him what's missing in his life is the willingness to lay his life down. And and then do what? Come follow me. He said, take all your stuff, all your dreams, all your possessions, all the things you think you need in this world. Take all of that. Sell it all. Give it to the poor. Scratch your life, your plans, your desires, and come follow me. And the Bible says the rich young ruler went away sorrowful because he discovered that day who his God was. His God was his stuff. And the path that he was on was not on the path of life. No matter how good he thought he was doing. Because he wasn't willing to let it go. And just follow Jesus on the path of life. And you know, so often when we follow God, that path that he asks us to follow, it don't look like we think it ought to look. Well, that's because the path that he's walking up goes to Golgotha. You've heard of that place, right? The place of the skull. It goes right to a cross. What is the call that Jesus makes to us? Paul told us about it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is the call that he was making to the rich young ruler. This is the plan that we want to understand. That path is life. Jesus says things like, if you want to find me, you have to lose. 
You have to lose yourself to find yourself. You have to give away everything to have all the riches you could ever want. All of these ideas are all the same. Lay down, my desires aren't his. Lay down, my plans aren't his. Lay down all of those things and take up his. Walk the path of life. Because on that way, it is life to those who find it. It's life. It is healing to all their flesh. Wholeness. The Word of God tells me that by His stripes, I am healed. What it literally says, guys, is by His stripes, I'm made whole. Makes me whole, complete. Because of what He gives into my life. We want to concentrate on getting on that road. But then look at verse 23, not only that, but we want to concentrate on righteousness. We want to concentrate on the road that is laid out before us. Keep your heart with all, what's it say? Vigilance. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Keep, keep, keep. We, we So often we stumble over that word. I've told you before, the Word of God says through... Uh, for, through John, that we are to keep His commandments. And if we keep His commandments, they're not burdensome. And then we all stumble over the word keep, and we think that means perform. i got to perform those commandments, and they should be easy to perform. But that's not what the word keep means. The word keep means treasure, guard, hold on to, protect. Does what God says to you matter to you? If it does, you should cling to it. You should hold fast to it. And if you're holding fast and treasuring what God has told you, then the performance is not going to be such a hassle. Because they matter to you. Nobody had to pass a law to tell me to feed my kids. How come? I love them. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will find the same thing. There doesn't have to be a law. Jesus said all the law and the prophets are summed up in this. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So we see this call. Keep your heart. Treasure your heart. Protect your heart. I don't think we do that very often. We, we pretty much let our heart just run rampant. We don't take care of it. We don't protect it. Sometimes we let the, our heart lead our head, right? That's, that's not how you're supposed to do it. I don't care how many memes on Facebook say that. You're supposed to guide your heart. You're supposed to think. You're supposed to look at what the Word of God calls you. Get on the path of life and guide your heart. Keep it with all vigilance. Why? Because out of your heart springs uh, flows of the springs of life. What do I mean? One of the first things that James says is a sign that you are on the path of life, you're walking that path, you're growing in the Word, is you'll control your tongue. Oops. Now, why would he say that? Well, because Jesus said this. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what comes out your lips is already where? In your heart. And what are you supposed to do with your heart? Keep it with all vigilance. Protect it. Watch over it. Because out of it is going to spring life. So we don't want it to spring forth death, right? So we want to guard our heart. That's the first thing he calls us to. Guard our heart with all vigilance. What's he saying? Be dedicated to your worldview and your lifestyle. Following Jesus Christ. That is a 
That is an all in or you're not in at all. You're going to have a hard time finding a place in the Bible where the Bible says, follow the Lord with a little smidgen of your heart. He wants wants it all. He wants it all. We want to be able to keep our heart. Look at verse 24. Put away from you crooked speech. It's the first place he goes. Just like James, first place he goes. How will I know if my heart is in trouble? Put away from you crooked speech. Put away devious talk, lying, coarse jesting, all those things are covered in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Put away from you crooked speech. Get your tongue under control. That's the sign of the condition of your heart. Jesus said, not what you eat with dirty hands defiles you. What defiles you is what flows out of your heart. It's already in you. It didn't get in there because your hands were dirty. How do we deal with it? We bring it into submission. We bring that heart into submission to who? The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to who? Jesus Christ. That he is Lord, right? So my heart needs to be in submission to him. My heart needs to bow the knee. Jesus Christ is king. For through him flows the rivers of life, right? Life, the path of life, it's, it's flowing from Him. So put away your crooked speech and devious talk. Look at verse 25. Let your eyes look directly forward. What's He saying? Keep your eyes straight ahead. You ever get distracted by something shiny? Something purty? You're doing good. You're cruising. You're going down the road. Man, David is saying, man, this, I got this all under control. This king stuff is easy. I'm sure he thought when he took a walk on the roof of his palace that nothing could go wrong. And then he saw something shiny, right? And a lot of things come tumbling down after that. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Keep your eyes focused on the prize. What's the prize? It's not something shiny. What's the prize? It's not that great new job. What's the prize? It's not all the things that I can have, own, or chase after. What's the prize? Jesus is. Keep your eyes on the prize. We focus on the finish line and we run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is what the Father is calling for His Son. Son, keep your eyes straight ahead. Focus on where you're trying to get to. You can't... Jesus said it like this. No man laying his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Why? I can't go forward if I'm looking back. I got to keep my eyes straight ahead. Focus my eyes. Focus my eyes on what is before me, man. I need to look directly forward. And your gaze be straight. Verse 26. He says, ponder the path of your feet. And all your ways will be sure. So we keep our eyes straight ahead. We keep our heart focused in submission to Jesus Christ. We put away crooked speech. We got our, our tongue under control. Our eyes focused straight ahead. And then what? We walk straight past. Keep your feet. You guys ever see, what was that crazy movie? It was a werewolf movie. 
uh, I don't remember it. Where's my wife? She always is, can crawl in my head. Nah, not a, not a bad one, but I... No, don't start saying them out loud. We're all going to go on a tape and people are going to say, man, that church is messed up. They all know werewolf movies. <laughs> no, I'll just tell you what happened in it. Maybe you guys can remember it. But the, the guys were out walking through the woods and, and the, the, the guy told them, whatever you do, stay on the path. Just stay on the path. If you get off the path, bad things can happen. And of course, they're not listening. They're looking at shiny things. They're wandering around, talking and gabbing. And all of a sudden, they hear a wolf howl. And then they look down at their feet. And they're not on the path. Oops. They lost their way. The point of what what, uh, the the father is saying to his son is, stay on the path. It's a well-worn path that you're trying to walk. The Bible says it's a narrow way. If you've ever been hunting, you know what a narrow way is. Broad is the way to destruction. That's the roads. Those are broad. But narrow is the way. Narrow is the way. Those are the little game trails. One person walking, but they're well worn. It's not like you're going, I don't know where this path is. You look and you go, there it is, right there, I see it. It's a narrow path. That's the one I want to be on. That's where the treasure that I'm looking for when I'm hunting is on. It's not on the road. I want to be on the narrow path. But it's well worn. That's what the father's saying. He's saying to his son, ponder the path. Keep your eyes on it. Recognize, yep, I'm on it. I'm looking at Jesus. I'm not getting distracted by the things around me. I'm keeping my heart with all vigilance, protecting it. I can recognize that it's protected because I have my tongue under control. I'm going on and I'm pondering the path that I'm on. Because God said, see, I put before you life and death. Choose life. Did Jesus tell us how you could tell? He says, narrow is the path that leads to life. And few there are who find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction. Sound like death? Broad is the path of destruction. Narrow is the way of life. It's the same thing that we've been reading as we work our way through the Scripture that this father in the book of Proverbs is telling his son. Probably David, or at least a picture of David talking to his son Solomon. Son, you got to have this part right. Keep your eyes on the prize. Look straight ahead. Ponder the path. Am I on the path of life or am I on the path of destruction? All i got to do is look down. Here's a big clue. I look down and it's a big old fat wide ten lane highway. Uh, somewhere I got off the path. No? I look down and it's a literal narrow way. Oh, it's narrow. Because God's way is narrow, guys. There's not 50 million lanes to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the, and the. How many people get to the Father? He says, no one comes through the Father except how? Through me. Uh, How many ways does that sound like? One way. Narrow. Narrow. Ponder your feet. Make sure that the path you are on is going straight ahead. And then what does he tell them about that? He says, do not swerve to the right or the left. Don't veer one way or the other. I oftentimes tell folks that I think that the Word of God is the final arbiter in life. Now, men may disagree over a lot of things, but the final arbiter is the Word of God. 
So really, if, if, you and my, if you and me are in opposition, I don't care about your opinion. You show me in the Word, you win. You show me not in the Word, you don't. The Word of God is the final arbiter. That's the frontlets. That's the headlights. That's the thing that leads us, right? Isn't that what the 119th Psalm said? Thy word is a light into my path, a lamp into my feet, right? That it's showing me the direction that I want to go. I don't want to turn to the left or the right. Here's the only thing I want to turn from. Turn your feet from, what's it say? Evil. Turn your feet from evil. Just like Joseph. The idea when we look at a relationship with God is that within God... Well, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, God created us in His image, right? And we often struggle with what that means. I think it's a verb. I think the concept is God created us to be imagers, reflectors of Him. We're supposed to, people are supposed to see Jesus through us. That makes sense? People should see the character of God in our lives. They should see it, which means I love what He loves. I hate what He hates. I stand with Him. And on the day I stand with him, everybody's going to know where I stand. They're not going to go, I wonder what Jackie stands for. Oftentimes people are worried about what you're against or what you're for. But I'm just for the word, what God has revealed to us. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on the prize, Jesus Christ. I'm not going to go left or right, but I'm going to turn from evil. And if something is evil, I need to turn from it. I need to treat it like God treats it. I need, to treat, I need to treat it like He treats it. I want to walk the path that the Lord lays out for me. So for these first four chapters, father to his son, there's like, I lost count, maybe five, six, seven lectures that we work our way through. Over and over discourses by a father to his son. And it's just helpful to see a loving father who was a man after God's own heart telling his son who's about to inherit the kingdom at 12 years old. Anybody know a 12-year-old ready to rule the nation? I don't know too many 12-year-olds ready to rule the nation. And you're a father who's dying. You know God's choice is your 12-year-old son. Is there something you want to tell him? Are there things you want to give him? You want to encourage him to lay hold of the things that are going to help him be successful? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what these nine chapters are all about. Son, get wisdom. Lay hold of God like you've laid hold of nothing else. So that when that day comes, this young child, God's going to come to him. The Bible says because God loves him. And God changes his name. Nobody else calls him this name, but God changes his name. You know what he changed it to? Me neither. I think it's Jedediah. So he, he said, but it, it means beloved of God. And he says to him, Solomon, what do you want? Blank check. You ever get a blank check offered from God? When you were 12 years old, what would you have said? Now, think of all these discourses that we're going through. Nine discourses or nine, nine chapters of a father giving multiple lectures to his son about the one thing that's most important. And then go back to the story. What did Solomon ask for? When he sat there and God said, Solomon, I'm going to give you anything. What do you want? 
He says, I want wisdom. Which was exactly what his dad wanted him to understand. That was so important. And where was that wisdom rooted? In the character of God. Was he perfect? Nope. Is he a mess just like the rest of us? Yep. Did he prove that all men are broken? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we're all broken. You You read the Bible cover to cover and find one person that wasn't dumb. Didn't do something stupid. They're not in there. Why? Because God tells us the truth. But he understood the one thing that he needed most in life. What was that? Who did wisdom personify? Yeah, I need Jesus. I need you, God. I need you in my life. And that's the most important thing any of us can get. So in all our getting and all our searching and all our desiring of all the things throughout the world, understand this one thing. In all you're getting, get wisdom. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for an opportunity to just come before you, to open your word, to study your word. Lord, I pray, God, that your word is, is uh, it's, it's just something that we can grasp, lay hold of, understand, comprehend, that we can make the application that says, man, this is what I want in my life. If I have Jesus in my life, then I have the storehouse of all the wisdom and knowledge that there is. I can tap into it any time because it's part of the character of God. For your word declares that you are a possessor of wisdom from the very beginning. And so as I follow you, as I reflect you, as my desire is for people to be able to see you in my life, one of the signs, one of the symbols that I am imaging forth God is the fact that wisdom is seen in my life. Love is seen in my life. Justice is seen in my life. The attributes of God resonate in me and shine forth because I have Him. And if I have Him, I have everything I need. And if I don't have Him, then I don't have anything at all. God, I pray that You would help us turn our eyes toward You to guard our hearts, to keep our path straight, to hold fast to your word, and in all our getting, to get wisdom. Let us hear the cry of a father saying to his son. Let us hear the call of our Savior as wisdom calls in the streets and says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in spirit. For for the yoke is easy, the burden is light. Lord, we pray that we would put our hand in your hand and choose life. God, we ask you move in this place in Jesus' name. Amen.